morning, North Ave. Happy Fourth of July to everyone. For those watching online, we'd like to welcome you. You are part of our family as well. And we uh, like that opportunity to get to uh, be able to speak with you in that vein as well through uh, the media that we have. We do have a couple um, people who watch on line that are here today that are special to me. My sister and brother are here uh, from Gladwin and my great nephew as well. And then my sister from Tennessee is here. And uh, if you know my testimony, uh, she played an integral part of where I am today. So, uh, so thankful that uh, they're here today with us. So last week, we took a break from the series on Daniel that Pastor Jeff had started. And we had Dr. Terry Harmon here, and he did a presentation on some symbolism from the Bible and connected it with uh, us today here. And uh, it was a great uh, service we had last week. But we're going to jump back into the sermon series of Daniel, which was entitled Strong. And the first week, it was Stand Strong, or Stand Out. The second week was Stand Up. And today, it's going to be Stand Strong. If you have your Bibles or your device with you and you want to uh, get a little bit of a head start, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 6 today. And if you spent any time in a Sunday school or anything like that through your life, this will be a very familiar story to you. This is Daniel in the lion's den. So that'll be a familiar story to a lot of us. But uh, before we get started, let's open in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to be here. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that is here with us, and we ask, Lord, that each word that comes out of my mouth be your words. Lord, prepare each heart to receive what you have planned, especially for each one individually today. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So again, as we get started in this, I just want to do a really quick recap. Daniel was in Judah. He was a Jew there, and Babylonia came, and they captured Judah and exiled a whole lot of people from Judah into to Babylon. And so when that happened, Daniel was probably a, a late teen, early 20s, maybe something like that when that had happened. And at this time, when we're going to talk about the lion's den, he's uh, going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of about 80 years old. So I love it when God uses old guys, because I'm an old guy, so I love seeing that. But Daniel and his, and his uh, friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that we heard of, they were kind of on the fast track in Babylonia. They got put into the king's special course, so to speak. They were the brightest and the best. They wanted to indoctrinate them in the Babylonian culture and then use them in the kingdom. So that was a recap of where we were. Then chapter 5, just right before this, the Medes have now conquered Babylonia. So now there's a new king for Daniel, King Darius. So new king, new ways of doing things, and we're going to take a look at that. So Daniel chapter 6, 1 through 3, says, Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. So Daniel moved up in his position in government there. But remember, he was a foreigner in that land. He wasn't an original born in Babylonia. He was a foreigner there. Now that the Medes had taken over, you had 
uh, Babylonians there, you had the Medes there, and they were all in this government uh, entity, and Daniel was moving up ahead of some of those. It'd be like on your job. If you'd been there for 20 years, somebody from the outside is hired in, they know nothing, maybe about your company, but they move up higher than you, that can cause some dissension. And that's what happened here, that these other officials didn't like this at all. So as we read verses 4 and 5, it says the the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. So they couldn't find any fault in Daniel. This is one of the few biblical characters that we see that there's no backside, another side to them. If you look at Moses, who led uh, the people out of slavery, out of Egypt, he had a side, he was a murderer. Look at King David, a man after God's own heart, was an adulterer and a murderer. But in this book, it says, Daniel, they found no fault in him. And they were going after the rules of his religion. These were not rules to Daniel. This was love and devotion and obedience to what God has done for him his whole life. So these officials and administrators went to the king and they played on his ego and his pride. And we pick it back up in verse 6 through 9. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, Long live King Darius. We are all in agreement. We administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors that the king should make law that the, will be strictly enforced, give orders that for the next 30 days any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown in the den of lions. And now, your majesty, issue and sign a law so it cannot be changed, an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. So now there's a law in effect, and in this culture, even the king who made the law couldn't undo it. He couldn't revoke it. It was stuck. It was etched in stone. I wish I could make a law in my own home and seal it with my ring. And that law would be no more HGTV. That's the new law. Because I watch these guys on TV and they tear walls down, move rooms. I can't do anything. I'm about as mechanical as an eight-thumb porcupine. I can't do anything, but i got to watch these guys chip and Joanna and flip or flop and ah, new law in my home, no more HGTV. But the table's set now for Daniel, trap laid. He can't worship anybody for 30 days. So let's see how Daniel reacts to this new law. In verse 10, but when Daniel learned that the new law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open toward Jerusalem he prayed three times a day just as he always had done giving thanks to God now Daniel wasn't being a rebel he wasn't being defiant this is who Daniel was and he knew what he was doing he didn't have some sick desire to be lion food he was serving his God Daniel stood strong in his faith, and he knew the consequences of this decision. It was death. He'd be thrown into the lion's den. But he didn't mask his faith at all. 
He went through with who he was, how he was going to be true to his God. I remember when I was at Albion College, I took some religion classes, and the first one I took, I went to class, and the teacher's like, well, you know, I expect you to bring your Bible every day. He said, now, if you're embarrassed, if you don't want no one to know, you can wrap it up in, in a book cover and put it in your backpack, and no one will ever know. And I'm thinking, what is that? What, you're carrying your Bible. What's the big deal? But Daniel could have masked it himself. He could have changed his pattern. He could have went off by himself in another place and prayed, but he didn't. He honored the God that he knew and that he served. So if we stop for a moment, let's look at the character of Daniel. We find in chapter 1, when he got to Babylonia, the king put him in the fast track to move up there, and he was supposed to eat from the king's table, the king's food, and he wouldn't do it. That was not what the God he served said for dietary laws. You don't eat that kind of food, so, so he didn't. He just ate fruits, fruit and vegetables and uh, at the end of 10 days said, hey, look at us, uh, me and my buddies, and compare us to, to yours and see who's stronger. And that's what's commonly called now the Daniel fast, if you ever hear of that. That's just a free tidbit today. That's just eating fruit and vegetables for a certain period of time as your fast instead of going without food or something like that. But we notice that is what he did in verse 1. Verse 4 says he was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. Verse 10 says he prayed three times a day, as usual, just as he had always done. These characteristics Daniel built in himself. And remember, he was surrounded by people who served other gods. He was a minority where he was. They were serving gods of wood and stone and golden calves and everything else. And Daniel did, and he stood strong in his faith. And these were the building blocks for standing strong for him. Daniel knew where his strength came from. It was the center of his being. And this was the result of years of disciplined practice in his faith. Those things he practiced over and over again to build himself up. For us, physically, if we want to get stronger, we go to a gym, right? We work out, we eat right, all those kind of things, and we follow a regimen. So you go to the gym, and on Monday, you, you work on your back. On Tuesdays, you work on your arms, and whatever your regimen is, because you know it is building those muscles in the way they need to be built. Spiritually for us, we have to work out. That entails reading your Bible, praying, coming here to worship, joining small groups or a Bible study to deepen the knowledge that you have. That's the way we build our spiritual muscle so we can stand strong when the time arises. Years of disciplined spiritual habits create a Daniel lifestyle. He'd built a foundation where he could face anything that came his way. When we go back to the story in verse 11, these officials then went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking God's help. Just as usual, he was there doing his worship to God. They caught him in the act. You ever been caught in the act of doing something? I have. Wendy doesn't know this story. I feel it's a safe environment for me to share it. She almost has to forgive me, right? I'm in church. So it was years ago... 
she was going to go someplace for a few hours, and she said, hey, when I'm gone, can you, like, clean up, you know, the place is a little bit of a mess, can you clean up and, and vacuum and do the dishes, and sure thing. So she leaves, and I flip the TV on, and 10 minutes, I'm out. <clears throat> so I wake up with about 15 minutes before she said she's going to get home in a panic. Oh, no, I haven't done anything. So I start to pick up, and I don't know where things go. So I grabbed a bag, and I just start chucking them in there, and I put it behind the couch thinking I'll take care of them later. Then I grabbed the vacuum. I didn't even plug it in or turn it on. I'm making lines on the floor because I didn't know how to turn the stupid thing on. So I thought, that's a waste of time. So I went out to the kitchen. I dumped about five gallons of dish soap in the sink with the dish. There's suds everywhere, and I hear the garage door open. I grab some suds, flick it on my face, take a dish towel, throw it over my shoulder. She walks in, and I'm like, <laughs> not from the heart act. Daniel was doing this from his heart. This is who he was. This is how he worshiped. So these officials now went back to the king and reminded him, hey, you made this law hours ago. You made this law, you got to enforce it. And the king tried to get out of it. He, he tried and he couldn't. He knew if I sign this into law, even I can't break it. So in verse 16, it says, so at last the king gave orders to Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, may your God whom you serve so faithfully rescue you. Notice, King Darius knew Daniel. May the God whom you serve so faithfully rescue you. So Daniel's fate was sealed. He was thrown into a lion's den. Stone rolled over the entrance. The king had his signet ring signature on there, other high officials as well, and that was it. This was an impossible situation. Church, we serve a God who loves impossible situations. He wants to show his power. We serve a God who, in the midst of our impossible situations, says, watch me. Watch me take charge over medical situations. Watch me help somebody financially who's struggling. Watch me mend broken relationships. Standing strong doesn't happen overnight. It happens through a lifetime of trusting God and building that each and every day. These holy habits that builds our character of who we are. Do you think Daniel was really excited to pray three times a day? Do you really think so, that when he woke up in the morning, he didn't reach over, like, hit his alarm, like, oh, I just want another half hour sleep? Do you think when it was that noon time, he's like, hey, McDonald's down the street's got two for five. I can mix and match. Big Mac, quarter pounder with cheese. Oh, no, I can't go. I, I got to pray. Or the game was on. He wanted to watch it. He wanted to watch the Jerusalem Crusaders beat the Babylonian beasts. And he couldn't do it because I got to pray. There had to be times he didn't want to do it. I know there's times where I don't. I got something in my mind better to do, or I'm too tired, been a long day. He had to have those same things, but he prayed faithfully through those times. When we do this, when we develop these holy spiritual habits, this is what puts the spiritual steel in our spines. So when bad times come, we won't be moved. We won't be shaken. Our spiritual roots will run deep in the hurricane winds of life, 
may sway us, but they will not break us. I often wonder what Daniel thought when he went into that lion's den and the stone was rolled and there was no way out. I think his first thought was, I hope these are Detroit Lions because they don't maul anybody. They're pretty docile creatures until this year. We say that every year, right? This year, the Lions. If you cut me, I bleed Honolulu blue and silver. I love the Lions. It's been said in a joking manner. The reason, the way the Lions didn't attack Daniel is because he was made 90% of backbone and the other 10% was gristle. There was nothing there to eat. I think when Daniel went in there, with the character that we've seen that he has, his faithfulness, trustworthiness, his devotion to God, his obedience to God, I believe when Daniel went in that lion's den, he was at peace. And he was ready for whatever God had in store for him. When we get to verses 18 through 20, the king couldn't sleep that night. He fasted. He didn't want entertainment. He couldn't sleep, and he got up in the morning, and he ran to the lion's den and said, Daniel, he's still alive. Verse 21 and 22. It says, Daniel answered, long live the king. Remember, that's what the administrator said to Darius when they kind of tricked him into making this law. So my God sent his angels to shut the lion's mouths so that they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. More character. He could have been bitter. He could have asked God for vengeance on them. Hey, strike him down. They threw me in here for serving you. Take care of him, God, but he didn't. He said, I haven't wronged you, your majesty. Then the king ordered the ones that had made, that tricked him kind of into this law for them, their wives, and their kids to be thrown into the lion's den. And it says before they even hit the ground, the lions had a meal. So what do we learn from this, that Daniel and his faithfulness, that God came through in this situation for him? But it changed somebody else. It changed Darius. Now, Darius, the king, had served other gods. He wasn't the serving the God of Yahweh, the God Yahweh that Daniel did. He was serving the multiple gods that were there in Babylonia. But when we read, we read the next few verses, you're going to think that King Darius was a seasoned Christian or a seasoned follower of God. Verse 25, it says, Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed, and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. What a testimony. Thousands of years ago, this was written. Let's visit this to today in 2023 and see if it applies. For he is the living God. And he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. 
Feel free to say amen anytime. This is good stuff, right? He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. That's the God we serve. That God from all those years ago is that same living God today. And one man, devoted to God, Daniel, changed the world. What would have happened if Daniel wouldn't have stayed strong? I think as Christians today, we'd have a little bit different heritage maybe. But he didn't. He stood strong on his faith. And God has placed us in our worlds, where we are with our family and friends and our circle of influence, to change that world for him too. Your faith matters. My faith matters. And we stand strong for him. Because people are watching. King Darius was watching. Daniel, people are watching. How are you going to handle this terrible situation in your life? How are you going to handle it? Who's, who's your God then? You're going to run. You're going to change your pattern. You're going to stand strong for him. When society and culture says this is the way to live that is contrary from the Bible, do we just go ahead and do that because that's the easiest route to go or do we stand strong? God has asked us, commanded us to be strong and courageous for him. Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you and he will not leave you or forsake you forsake you. Joshua 1, nine. Have, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Ephesians 6.10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. He's imploring us to stand strong for him in a world that is increasingly more difficult to do that. We're living in a time we're standing strong for Christ is needed more than ever. And we are going to face it at one time or another as individuals and as a church. Are we going to stand strong for the gospel of Jesus Christ? There's a story of this guy who had this dream. He's in this big field, this big pasture land. There's a fence in the middle. And he goes and sets on the fence and all these people are coming. And they choose what side of the fence they're going to go on. And on one side is Jesus, and on the other side is Satan. And these people come, and they choose their sides. And after a while, Jesus takes his, his people, and they leave and disappear. Then Satan takes his people and leaves and disappears. And the guy's sitting there just kind of pondering what had happened. Then Satan came back. And the guy noticed that he was searching for something. He said, did you lose something? He said, no, you got to come with me. He said, why? I was just sitting here watching on the fence. I didn't choose a side. And Satan said, I know. I own the fence. We have to make a choice, as Daniel did. Are we going to choose to stand strong when asked to? Or are we going to take the easier route? What are we standing strong for? We have to know that. We just can't be told that. We're standing strong for what this Bible says and what Jesus Christ came here and lived and died for, for each one of us. We stand strong for Christ, for what he did for us and his saving grace that's offered to everyone. 
We need to know what the Bible says. Because this Bible answers every question we'll ever have in our lives. You want to know about marriage? Do you want to know what God says about marriage? Who should be married and how and all those things? Open your Bible. It will tell you. Do you want to know how to raise your kids? What you should install in, instill in them? How you lead them? Open your Bible. It will tell you how to do that. Do you want to know how to love people that aren't like you, that have a different faith in you, that practice different things in you? Open your Bible. It will tell you that. Not society, not culture. The Bible will tell us and guide us on how we should behave and how we represent God. Daniel faced that in his time. This was a crisis point for Daniel, that turning point, a pivot point. If he was going to follow God or not fully, or was he going to give in? Crisis reveals what's already inside of us. It comes out in those times where crisis moments happen. And for Christians, we shouldn't react to crisis. We should be prepared for crisis of anything that comes our way. These spiritual disciplines that build strength in us to stand strong for Christ. The time we spend with God is the best time we'll ever spend. The times when you're alone and you're in your quiet place with Him and you're praying, you're reading your Bible, precious times. The times you go for a walk, just you, and Jesus is right there with you, and the whole time you're walking and you're talking, and you feel God there. Or you're driving in your car by yourself, and you turn the radio down, and you talk with God. Those are the most valuable times out there, coming on Sundays to worship. What a valuable time that you spend with God. Your faith matters. My faith matters. And when we stand strong, that may bring confrontation. And confrontation is never fun. But it may bring it. And I'm not caught talking about the con con confrontation where we're going to argue with somebody and point fingers or take a swing at somebody. I'm not talking that. I'm talking about the confrontation that's on the spiritual realm that we stand strong for Christ? Are we willing, are we ready for the confrontation to stand strong in our families? When we have people in our family that don't believe, they're non-believers, and they want us to go their route and do the way they want to live, are we going to stand strong for Christ then? Are you going to stand strong at your workplace when all these different walks of life work at the same place and try to drag you their way. You're going to stand strong for Christ there. For young people, you're going to stand strong in your school. When your peers want to start doing things that society says is perfectly normal and fine, but you know in your heart it goes against God's word, you're going to stand strong. We have that choice to make, each and every one of us. Are we going to stand strong for the God who loves us, who sent his son to die for us so we could have eternal life and be with him forever? We all have to answer that question. In the pastoral classes I'm taking, this current uh, class is being taught by a Church of God pastor out of uh, Ohio. 
And he told us a kind of a personal story and then followed it up with a question. He said as a young man, he felt called into the ministry. His dad was a pastor. And he said, Dad, I think I'm being called into the ministry. And his dad said, okay, go pray, read your Bible, come back to me. So he came back a little later. He said, Dad, I feel like I'm being called into the ministry. He said, go read your Bible and pray. Came back a third time. Dad, I know what you're going to say. I've read my Bible, I've prayed, and I really feel that God's calling me into the ministry. And his dad said, let me ask you one question. Are you willing to die for the gospel of Jesus Christ? And he asked our class that. These candidates for ordination, are you willing to die for the gospel of Jesus Christ? My first response was, yeah, sure, sure. Class ended. And I could not get that question out of my mind. It just gnawed at me for weeks. A simple question. I told Wendy about it. I don't know why I'm struggling with this so bad. It went on for weeks. Then a few weeks ago, I was talking with Wendy one night, and I said, I got my answer. I finally got the answer that I'm confident in, at peace with, And I said to my wife, I'm willing to go into the pit of hell for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if it costs me my life, remember, I love you, but I love God more. We all have to make a stand at some point in time. We all got to say, this God I serve is worth it, and he's worth it. Our God is worth it. I encourage you, go deeper in your faith. You're going to be challenged in your families, at your workplace. You may be challenged by new laws that come out that are government laws that may go contrary to the beliefs you have in your Bible. Are you ready to stand strong? Am I ready to stand strong? As we end today, as a symbolic gesture, I'm going to ask everybody to stand. I'm going to pray for you that you're going to be willing and able to stand when those times come. So stand with me if you can. And I'm going to pray over you that the Holy Spirit comes and sets upon you and gives you strength to stand strong for Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you. We're so thankful and so honored and so privileged to serve a God that gave everything for us. You sent your only son to die for us, to forgive us our sins, that we can live with you forever. Lord, you know how difficult it is here on earth, the struggles we have to stand strong. It takes a lot when our own personal family members may have different views or our friends, maybe our kids or even spouses. And that's hard, and you know that. Lord, I'm asking that your Holy Spirit would come and descend on each one here in this room, each one watching. Lord, give us all the strength to stand strong for you, to have a spiritual backbone made of steel that you've given us to withstand anything that comes our way. You've told us in Scripture that you're with us and you'll never leave us. Lord, I ask that you give us the desire to read your word, to pray, 
to live a life that honors you and use us in any fashion that you choose to bring glory and honor to your name and to leave others to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you. Have a great Fourth of July weekend.